0: The following is a Hoop Ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Sorry, sorry, I know this one's a little bit late, guys. We got some big stuff going on in the background at Hoop Ball. Sidelining sidelining some stuff. Just trying to make sure that everything fits together and we we'll get to schedule right. Anyway, good day to you all. Happy Thursday. It's November the 18th. Closing in on the end of another midweek and we're just gonna launch straight into a Wednesday recap on today's show. This of course being Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host Dan Bespris. Indiana was in Detroit last night and the Pacers picked in. A- Interesting time to completely lay an egg, score just eighty-nine points in the ball game, uh, contest that really slowed down a bunch. We actually had some free throws in this game. Sabonis took ten on the indie side, Jeremy Grant took twelve for the pistons. It was just pace. Game didn't really have much of it. Cade Cunningham's starting to figure things out little by little. Yeah, the efficiency stuff is always going to be there, but where he excels that some of the other rookies do not to this point, and again, you know we're going to have to wait a bit on the growth process because he's still number 163, is he's shooting just 34.5% from the field. But you can see the outlines of where this thing needs to be. The turnovers, those are probably going to be a problem all year, but as that field goal percent works its way up into the 40s, He will rocket boost with it. So this is a guy that if someone were to start getting frustrated, I doubt that they will because this is a good-looking line. People are willing to overlook the 6 for 18 because there was that other stuff there. But he's a buyable rookie asset, I believe, as people start to get a little bit impatient in a way that, you know, like, I don't really want Jalen Green on my fantasy teams. His growth is still going to be a very hard fantasy number to hit, Because it's pretty much all scoring, where with Cade, you can see rebounds, assists, steals. There's this other element to his game that we all kind of knew was going to be there. And we also kind of knew it was going to be a learning curve. Without Kelly Olenek, Isaiah Stewart has no choice but to be actually decent now. Seven points, 11 boards, a couple of blocks. That'll work. Killian Hayes has been bordering on useful lately, but only 20 minutes in this ballgame because Corey Joseph... Soaked up 31, though we're not taking the plunge on that side. Tough shooting nights for Sadiq Bey and Jeremy Grant, but they both did okay. Hurt you in other ways, I guess, but uh, both of those guys are are doing fine. The big story from this ball game, I think, has to come from the Indy side. And I know there was no Chris Duarte, but TJ McConnell playing 26 and a half minutes with both Karis LeVert and Malcolm Brogdon active. Was a very good sign. I know McConnell didn't have a particularly strong ball game by all accounts, but two steals, that's important. Only four assists, love to see that number grow a little bit. It's going to be tougher for him as kind of the third ball handler on the team, but they only had 14 assists as a ball club in the ball game. Both teams combined for 30. We've seen single teams hit that mark regularly, but this is why you continue to hang on to TJ McConnell. If he's going to get minutes, then and ultimately, eventually, he will just lock into the right value that we need. Charlotte came back, beat Washington in this one, another ridiculously low-scoring ballgame, although this one you could blame a little bit more on the foul stuff. Charlotte took six free throws in the ball game and won. In terms of fantasy stuff, this game doesn't really change my outlook on almost anybody, Gordon Hayward, I think we had sort of previously clicked down a peg or two. Kind of assumed that that would happen this year as they just got more people. Good to see Terry Rozier put up a nice ball game. He's clawing his way towards fantasy value. He's up at number 122 now and working his way up the board. So that's a good sign. Uh, But I do think that this game, once again, like the previous one, kind of comes down to one key player. And that was Daniel Gafford. Well, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie had a bad ball game. He'll be fine. He's going to sit one out on the back to back. I cannot tell you how many should I drop Daniel Gafford posts I've had to sift through over the last, uh, well, how long has this season been going? This is a guy who right now is averaging 20 and a half minutes per ball game, including those games coming back from injury and the one where he got hurt. And he's just outside the top 100 at 20 minutes a game. Well, by the way, not really taking shots in those 20 minutes per game. His usage has been low up until last night. He finally got involved on offense a little bit. It took 12 shots finally. People, I, 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 this is that expectations thing again. What did you expect when you drafted him? If you pull out the weird low-minute games where he was getting hurt and then coming back from it, he's basically a top 90 guy in like 22 minutes per ball game. Now, if that trends up the way we saw last night, 24 and change, he's much better than that. He did sprain his thumb, so there's a possibility he might have to miss another game or two uh, before getting back into the mix. I don't know. We'll see. Missed some free throws as well, but 20 points, 9 boards, 2 steals, 1 block. I do think that that probably levels off whatever potential buy lows we were throwing out there earlier this week on the podcast. Atlanta beat Boston 110.99. This is our free gambling play I gave out to you, crazy cats, over at Hootball Gaming. And I won my third in a row for that, uh, for our gaming division. So that's kind of fun. Got another one coming out today on the slightly shorter Thursday card. Jason Tatum starting to wake up 34, 9, and 5 with a block, five three pointers. Field goal percent climbing slowly, still under 40%, 39.5. He's number 63 at 39.5. Steals and blocks haven't been all the way there for him. Free throw shooting has not been all the way there. You'll see it. You'll see it when the percentages move because the other stuff is going to come with it. The scoring is going to move up from 24. He'll probably move towards 26, 27, 28. The other things are kind of where they need to be. And then the percentages as well. It's going to be a very steady and obvious climb. All of a sudden, he's just going to be posting first round value and you'll watch his season long rank work up the board. Marcus Smart really can't shoot this year, but uh, 11 assists, two steals—that's totally fine. Al Horford started at center with no Robert Williams, missed two free throws, or this would have been uh, a really pretty ball game for him. And uh, no, I'm not—I'm not buying in on the Grant Williams stuff. Also, it sounds like Robert Williams and Jalen Brown might be back for Boston's next ball game, so that'll shake things up a little bit once again. Clint Capella starting to show signs of life as well over on that Atlanta side. He's another one who got off to a slow start. He's back into the low 80s now in fantasy rank as we work his field goal percent back up towards 60, and we need to get those blocks up above 1.2. We need to get Capella back into the upper ones or close to two blocks per ballgame, and then he'll move right back where he needs to be. Kevin Herter, 7 out of 9 shooting in this ballgame. If you adjust that back down to more like a 4 out of 9 His game really doesn't look nearly as good as it did. I'm not a big Kevin Herter guy. I kind of never have been other than there was like a three-week stretch two seasons back where Trey Young was out and Herter was the backup point guard, which he sort of is when Trey's not on the floor, but Bogdan Bogdanovich handles the basketball. DeLon Wright can play a few minutes. Lou Williams can play a few minutes. He doesn't have that role in front of him anymore, so I don't see the appeal on the fantasy side. Without the three-pointers in this ball game, it was a middling line at best. Now, yes, you can't just do that. He did hit the three-pointers. But even with no DeAndre Hunter, I'm not all that excited about it. They still have Gallo floating around for power forward minutes. They still have Cam Reddish floating around. Bogdan is going to take more shots than Herter on a night-to-night basis. It's not worth it. There's no upside there, really. Orlando beat the Knicks for the second time this year. Jalen Suggs who hurt his quad in the ballgame, actually played pretty well prior to that. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Every time a rookie has a big ball game, the whole NBA community, fantasy at least, is like, all right, is this the time? And the answer is, nine times out of ten, no. You'll know it when it happens a few times in a row. Of course, the problem there is, if you're that patient, someone's probably going to pick up that player before you get a chance to do so. That, by the way, is not my way of saying you need to go pick up Jalen Suggs right now. In fact, I believe strongly the opposite, that he very much has not turned a corner, and this was just one slightly better ball game. Uh But when that time is right, sometimes we run a little bit late on that. So feel free to be a bit more aggressive than I am with rookies potentially turning the corner. For now, I think you stick with the main four guys, Bamba, Franz, Cole Anthony, Wendell Carter Jr., who had a... Uh, A little bit more poor ball game here. Uh, Only played 25 minutes. I think he had some fouls early. And then other guys were just like, Terrence Ross is playing better. Ross, by the way, has kind of worked his way into points league discussion, but he's nowhere near category leagues. So you can, if you're a 9-cat or 8-cat, you can just leave that stuff alone. On the Knicks side, we got trouble, man. Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett are the only two guys who have secure minutes with no... Nerland's Noel. Mitchell Robinson has borderline secure minutes. There's always the chance Taj Gibson just grabs 15 away from him on any given night. Uh, but Mitch did play 31. He had a block taken away from him in this game. He was sitting on two for a while, and then they, they clicked it back down to one, which kind of blew up what was actually turning out to be a pretty good ball game for him. But you stick with Mitch Robinson. That's no problem there. Randall, you're obviously sticking with. We had him taking a step back on this podcast. Remember, remember... It was always about whether or not he could play in every single ball game. That was the only way this year that he gets near his ADP. I steered you guys away from Julius. I said he was a bad top 25 pick because he needs to play in 82 games to get there because he was in the 40s per game last year. And he was set to lose a bunch of his role because they don't want him taking 20 shots a game this season. They got Barrett, they got Rose, they got Kemba, they got Fournier, they got Burks. They have other dudes that can actually take shots. And if D-Rose didn't have COVID for a month last year, we probably would have seen more of that anyway. But now you're seeing it. Randall has, it's not really fair to say he's taken a step back. He just isn't being asked to do as much. So only 17 shots a game for a guy that doesn't really get defensive stats anyway. And you've seen the drawback. He's number 70 in 9-cat right now. And he's not the only rough offensive story in New York. Kemba's been horrendous. Fournier's been horrendous. And I you know, I don't want to be the guy. You guys know I'm always very patient with players. I, I think last week I said you could move on from Evan Fournier. His role is not secure. Uh, his minutes are not secure. His his usage is not secure. They're more than happy to take him off the floor in favor of Alec Burks, a direct challenge. We saw this with Derrick Rose and Kemba Walker the first few games of the year before Kemba caught fire and started retaking control of that spot, but now it's slipped back into a bit of a point guard timeshare again. I'm going to give Kemba a little bit more wiggle room because he started horribly and then he was awesome for two weeks and now he's been terrible for about a week and a half again. But we can't wait forever. The assists are low. He's missing free throws. Not that he's even really getting a take any because, you know, guards don't get free throws anymore and you know it saps a lot of his floor if there are no free throws anymore Tom, pretty close to a kemba drop i'm not quite there yet but i ain't far james harden with the line of the night 27 10 and 7 two steals a block three three pointers five of six uh, five of uh rather six of 12 from the field 12 of 12 at the free throw line i love to just continue to talk about the earth healing or life finds a way the jurassic park line always fits this type of thing james harden now up to 6.2 free throws per ball game that puts him at number nine in the nba up the board he climbeth his free throws now have moved into the elite category in terms of free throw impact by volume he is number eight behind steph believe it or not taylor horton tucker who ain't staying there Beal, DeRozan, Trey, Boyan Bogdanovich, Paul George, and then James Harden. Yep, he's on his way. He's now number 12 overall in nine category leagues over the last two weeks. He is also number 12. <laughs> things, are, things are leveling off over the last week. He's number six. The beauty of it is, and here's the funny thing about uh, fantasy basketball, for James Harden to get into that top three, he never actually needs any single one week where he's in the top three. He basically just needs to be like top six every single week while the guys around him bounce around, and he'll end up moving up the board. What I mean by that is, like, let's say LeBron comes back, has a couple of down games. He'll fall out of the top 12. If Lamelo Ball has two more not brilliant games, he'll fall out of the top 12. Lamelo's down to number 11 now, by the way. Not that he's fallen far. He was nine, so only two spots. But you can see... The free throw percent at 92 now, coming down from a perfect batting 1,000 there. By the way, this is not me knocking LaMelo Ball. He's going to have a great fantasy season. He's not falling all that far. Uh, Chris Paul is at number 10. He's down a couple of spots since the assists tapered off a tiny bit, although you're seeing the free throw number slowly moving up for Chris. Anthony Davis might very well stay in there. He's looked really good so far this year. KD probably does. Butler, PG, Kat, Jokic, Steph. Those guys are all in there. But I think by the time this dust settles, you probably see Harden at number nine without really changing anything at all. So if he gets even a little bit better, that's how he moves up into that top five, top six. And then we kind of all forget about the fact that he was like number 65 for a week. doop 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 doo doo Bruce Brown's been pretty good uh, since Joe Harris went down in particular. Patty Mills has been even better since Harris went down. 21 points, he had six more three-pointers. I'm actually fine with streaming either one of those guys. You guys know I love Bruce Brown in general. He's a little bit too inconsistent on the offensive side. He's very much a rebounding steals guard specialist. And Patty Mills is very much a three-point shooting guard specialist. So you kind of stream... Whichever one of those guys fits your fantasy needs more, and it might not even matter because Joe Harris is probably not gone for all that long. Also, LaMarcus Aldridge, I got to talk about him every single damn time the Nets play a basketball game. He's back at number 98. He really does only make sense in a games cap format. That's it. Weekly, he doesn't make sense because he's going to sit half of every back-to-back. Uh, daily, he definitely doesn't make sense in head-to-head. Roto games cap where you can plop him into your lineup when you know the Nets are going against a team that has uh, a big or slow center, or a big and slow center, but not against a team that doesn't have either of those, basically. So like what we saw, Brooklyn did not play Aldridge against the Golden State Warriors because the Warriors are a floor-spacing team where the center doesn't get anywhere near the bucket on offense, Unless it's on a roll, and then he's going straight to the rim anyway. But if Aldridge is guarding against that, then Steph is going to roast him. Here against a Cleveland team, Brooklyn wasn't all that afraid of you know a Ricky Rubio, uh, Ed Davis pick and roll, or Ricky Rubio Kevin Love pick and roll, because none of those guys. Ed Davis doesn't have any offensive game, and Love isn't fast enough to beat Aldridge. So they could use LaMarcus and his mid range insanity so far this year but you got to be Johnny on the spot with this if you have Aldridge on your team you can't just set him and forget him because they're going to play another team I you know won't be the Warriors for a while yet but they're going to play other teams that don't have either slow or non-offensive minded centers and Aldridge is going to have a tougher time having fantasy in those vo- in those ball games. Cavalier side is interesting, if only because it sounds like Larry Markkinen and Jared Allen will be back first thing next week, but they play between now and then, which means this iteration, the Ed Davis starting center thing, probably happens at least one more time. I'm not picking up Isaac Okoro, despite 39 minutes. I don't like his fantasy game. I'm not picking up Dean Wade, although he's closer... His fantasy game is a little bit more interesting, but also we've seen him completely disappear. He's willing to take four shots in 38 minutes. This happened to be eight. Kevin Love, I'm going to consider for the Cavs next game. He's probably only going to play 23, 24 minutes, but he's going to go do stuff in them. He'll take shots. He'll get rebounds. He operates quickly, not from an actual speed, but like the doing stuff-ometer. He's going to do stuff quickly upon entering a ballgame. game. And then Garland and Rubio are the guys that you can definitely trot out there in the very short term. Uh, Presuming that Jared Allen and Larry Markin, have caught their wind when they come back, those guys should be in really good position with Evan Mobley out for two to four weeks. Lakers couldn't do anything to slow down Giannis. GA had 47 on 23 shots. That'll certainly help his fantasy outlook a little bit. Uh, That moves Giannis back up to number 15 on the board thanks to a big field goal percent leap forward. That's the way he could maybe float his bad foul shooting. But again, this is a guy that consistently gets drafted in that top five and there's just almost no path there unless he's making 75% or more of his foul shots. Which I simply don't believe he's going to do. I think you can start the starters with Milwaukee. Grayson Allen played 31 minutes. He only took six shots. That's the fear there has the return of Chris Middleton and then previously drew holiday Does that wipe Allen out from getting 9, 10, 11 shots per ballgame? Was this the anomaly, or is this the new normal? I'm going to start him one more time, see how the next one goes. He's been too good. Uh, It just so happened Pat Connaughton got 10 shots here. He sort of played the role of Grayson Allen. I don't think Connaughton's going to hold value going forward uh, because he's coming off the bench, so the minutes are just less secure. But Giannis Middleton, Portis, Holiday and I think still a little bit longer at least. I don't know. It's possible this might be the end of the road, but I do believe Grayson Allen can hang on to value until Dante DiVincenzo comes back, which should be in the next couple of weeks. On the L.A. side, Taylor Norton Tucker is steamrolling through his first few games of this, and you can see the, why the Lakers have been so excited about him. However, LeBron's supposed to come back tomorrow. He's questionable. Uh sounds like they're expecting him to go, but we're still a day and change away from that. If LeBron goes, don't be surprised if Horton Tucker doesn't have quite the role that he had here. Is he startable with LeBron on the floor? I think given the team's current makeup, the answer is probably yes. Most likely, they slide him down to shooting guard and bench Avery Bradley. Or, if they continue to start Bradley, they get Horton and Tucker into the ballgame pretty quickly because Avery just has no offensive game whatsoever. Um, Russ had 15 assists here, but he's always going to be a a polarizing fantasy sort. Melo has trended down since the Lakers went to the five-out look and moved him into the starting lineup. It almost seemed like Carmelo was a better fit with that second unit, get out and run a little bit, be more of the offensive force in a unit that doesn't have a ton of offense, and now he's on the floor with Russ, AD, THT, three other guys that can actually score the basketball a little bit. You're not dropping Melo because he was still serviceable here. But again, we knew his heater wasn't going to last forever. The question is, how long does the heater last? Miami beat New Orleans without Bam Adebayo. I don't like this. This is annoying. We, you know, the big thing with Bam was that he plays. He plays through stuff when he has to, but he hasn't so far this year. He's now missed a couple of ball games already. I think three, actually. Jimmy Butler came back. Um, Tyler Hero hurt his wrist in this ball game. So Miami's running a little bit of a balancing act. It looks like they're trying to get their key guys rest against opponents they know they can win, which is a saucy play, mind you. But they're just so well coached and so well balanced that they're going to beat teams on scheme alone. And then if you know with with Butler healthy again, well, you know they'll they'll beat teams with Jimmy who triple doubled 31 10 and ah, 10. I do love me some Jimmy Butler this year. Number 6 per game nine cat. It's a beautiful thing. So what do we do here? Uh it sounds like Adebayo is probable for the Heat's next ball game. Luckily we can get him back in well stuck with it unfortunately that was that's going to be annoying um you know i don't think he's going to miss more than like a dozen games this year but the the hope with him was that he was going to be one of those guys that only missed like four the whole year and he's most of the way to that after a month that's a that's a bad sign i don't like it one bit sam i am for new orleans josh hart he's rolling man uh particularly high shooting percentage Helping elevate things a little bit. But 18-7-4, two steals, two threes. That's not a guy you can take out of your lineup. Uh, he's a rebounding guard. I think they've got him playing small forward right now. But he's almost definitely shooting guard eligible in your leagues. So just enjoy it. I don't know what happens if this team ever gets healthy. At that point, we can reassess once more. But for now, uh, he's he's a start. Thunder was the other play I gave out. I didn't, uh, I didn't write this one up, but I gave it out on uh, Veasan's a numbers game with my buddy Gil Alexander because Houston's terrible and the Thunder are not very good, but they're not Houston terrible. Shea had a solid ball game. Lou Dort, thirty-four points again. He might have turned himself into a nine-cat functional basketball player. He doesn't get the steals that we'd want him to. He's such a good defender. It seems like there should be steals, but they they don't really come to him. He's currently generating his value through points and threes. And actually, he's gotten quite a bit better at the free throw line as well, although he did miss two out of four of his foul shots in this one. I don't know. I just, I still feel like he's shooting 46% right now. It still feels to me like the other shoe's going to drop on that field goal percent. But, He's obviously a guy that needs to be started while he's this hot, and then you just kind of ride it out a little bit. For Houston, Jalen Green had a better ballgame, made his free throws, didn't miss that many of his shots. That's considered a small win. Jay Sean Tate has been meh. Eric Gordon got the start with no Kevin Porter Jr. He's meh. Christian Wood has been an unmitigated disaster. Folks drafted him in the fourth round this year. We dodged him. He's number 180. Yeesh. And he ain't hurt. This is just the Rockets right now. I mean, really, abandon ship. Anytime you can abandon ship, abandon ship. Trade Christian Wood if he has two good ball games in a row. You can drop Jayshon Tate. You can drop Eric Gordon. Not that you should have had him anyway. I think you can drop Jalen Green if you're in category leagues. The only way that these guys make sense is in a points league. And even then, it's a stretch. But at least with Wood, you can throw out the brutal percentages. 44 from the field, 52 at the free throw line. He's one of the worst foul shooter impact players in the NBA right now. In fact, I think he might even be worse than Giannis. Christian Wood. Who had him as one of the worst fantasy players in the NBA? I didn't think he was going to be this bad, but this was the fear when I was like, yeah, I don't have the stones to draft someone who could end up going four for eight at the foul line every night. This was the fear. It's come to fruition. It doesn't always. We're gonna miss on certain things. Like I was too low on Lamelo Ball because I did not see his field, th- his field goal and free throw percentages both getting fixed. His free throw percent has been awesome, so we're missing out on some of that jump he's taken. But we also dodge the guys like Christian Wood. To me, that's worth it. It's not that many players to take off of your board or to move down your board. And as I've said a thousand times, those first few rounds, they're not going to win you your fantasy league, but damn it, they really could lose it for you. Hey, before we do the uh, the later games on the card, and I don't know if Minnesota really qualifies as that, I do want to thank you guys once again for tuning in to Fantasy NBA Day. And following me on Twitter, presumably you've uh, already done that. It's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google Dan from Hoopball. It's the easiest way to do it. That'll come up real fast. My Twitter feed is the generally the very first result there. A Couple of quick shout-outs here. First, shout-out to everybody that continues to rate and review the podcast. You guys are amazing. Please do continue to do that. If you got a five-star, you can flip onto the board for us. Shout-out uh, number two is to our brand new Hoopball Nets coverage team led by the great Cody Mallory, the Hoopball Nets Twitter feed and podcast. Has been resurrected. So if you're a Nets fan or you just want to learn about the team, those guys do a marvelous job of covering it. Go check that out. It's at HoopBallNets. You can see all the hosts are in the bio for for that particular Twitter feed. Shout-out number three is to our buddies at Manscaped.com. Promo code there is HoopBall20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order as we run up towards Black Friday. That's coming up here, folks. Week from tomorrow, I think, isn't it? Yeah, that's right around the corner, and then the holidays after that, so this is a great time when you're just like, crap, what the hell do I get this dude? Get him something but Manscaped. You sort of send a message with a gift like that. I don't know if it's the one you want to send, but you send a message, (laughs) clean yourself up. That's a present from me to me. Hoopball20 is the promo code over there for 20% off and free shipping on your order. There's an odds boost, by the way, with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. That's our fourth and final shout-out here mid-podcast. The odds boost is one that I don't understand at all. It's NFL-related. They've been throwing one out on Thursday Night Football, I think, every single week uh, this year. And right now, it's Mac Jones, who I believe is the quarterback for the Patriots, to uh, throw or score or or rush for two touchdowns or more in tonight's ballgame which starts in a couple of hours. That bet is now at plus 130. I think originally it was right around, uh, I think it was minus 115 or minus 120. So they moved the odds about 50 cents in our favor, which generally means that this is a long-term winning proposition. I'm probably going to put 10 bucks on it. I don't want to go too crazy. They can, You can go as high as 25 if you want. And frankly, you'd be wise to probably just go 25 or max bet any odds boost that my bookie puts out because long-term... They are going to be winning propositions. I just know nothing about football. Uh, And I know that this thing happens about half the time for him. Uh, I don't even know who they're playing. How's that? Oh, the Falcons. And the Patriots are six-and-a-half-point road favorites, so I guess the Falcons are not very good. I know enough about (laughs) spreads in football to know that that means that the Falcons are not very good. Uh, Total is 47, which is sort of a, a... Slightly higher than average total, just a little bit above the midpoint, pretty close to the midpoint. So the thought is that there will be uh, a little bit of scoring, but maybe not a truckload. And all you really need there is that for the Patriots, whatever touchdowns they get, you need something to be happening through the air. I Again, I don't fully understand this, but you guys should join us over at MyBookie.ag. They do something like this every single week. They have the ones that are basically guaranteed locks that come out when new sports are starting up. This is not a new sport starting up. This is just the middle of the football season, and they kick an odd in our favor. Promo code there is HoopBall. You're going to punch that in on your third page of sign-up. You can do this odds boost whether or not it's a new account or not, by the way. And, oh, this is the fun thing. We got huge promos coming up at MyBookie starting on the 23rd, which I think is Tuesday of next next week. And it's Thanksgiving week risk-free bets, and Black Friday specials. Oh, man, I just saw this email. I can't believe I almost missed this. I'm going to be talking about this on every podcast between now and when it's over, but listen to this. I I want you guys to make sure you're paying attention to this because this is, yes, it's a promo for my bookie, and yes, they are a partner of ours, and yes, if you don't have an account, we want you to sign up for one using promo code HOOPBALL on that third page, but also, these are those moments. If you miss these specials, I will, I'll come to your door, and I will kick you right in the face. Gambling as a whole is very hard. People want to think they can just like throw some money on a table and become filthy rich. If you actually want to be a good handicapper, it takes a crap ton of time and an unreal level of discipline. And you have these brief, fleeting moments in sports betting where you have an edge, and you want to capitalize on those. The people that can win 52.4% of their bets or more long term are the people that can turn profit sports betting. These moments that sports books offer, the online books, whatever it might be, this one happens to be my bookie and I'm watching them because we work with them. These are moments where they are giving us a colossal tip of the odds in our favor. For instance, Turkey Day risk free bet. If your first cash wager, up to $250, a $250 max bet on the Raiders-Cowboys game, if it wins, you win it. If it loses, you get your money back with just a 1x rollover. So Let me explain that for those that don't do this very often. Let's say you put $50, and again, I don't really know much about uh. Uh, you know what these two teams i like i know the raiders have been embroiled in a scandal because of john gruden but i don't know if, if either of his teams are any good i don't know that there's i'm assuming there isn't a line out on that game yet because it's next week um oh there is cowboys minus seven okay so there actually is a line out on that game for uh for a week from today so let's say you took raiders plus seven and they covered great you won your 50 bet Nothing. That's just a straight wager. You you just want it like you bet it. Now, if the cow or if the Raiders fail to cover that seven point spread as the underdog, you get your fifty dollars back. And the only thing that happens then is you can't cash out that fifty bucks until you bet it on something else. It doesn't have to all be at once either. You could do ten bets of five dollars, five bets of ten, whatever, but you have to bet that fifty bucks that you get back on the loss. That's what the one X rollover is. But lucky for you. My bookie has stuff going on from Friday all weekend long. There's going to be seven odds boosts and six lightning locks on the 26th on Black Friday. The boosts are bigger than you'd normally receive. The locks are bets that are like 99% chance of winning. You can basically nail your rollover on the very next day on bets that are tipped in your favor again. There's a Cyber Monday special going on that following Monday, where you can bet up to $100 on the uh, Seahawks and Washington football team, uh, and whatever you bet, you get to—they'll give you in a free play for the following Monday night football game, which is Patriots and Bills in Week 13. So if you bet 50 bucks on Seattle, Washington, win or lose, they're going to give you a free $50 bet on the following week. And then, if you're active on the site between Thursday and Friday of next week, little prizes are going to pop up intermittently throughout the day. All of a sudden, you'll just get a pop-up that's like, hey, here's a prize. You can like go play 25 free bucks in the casino with no rollover. And there are free blackjack tournaments on Thanksgiving Day with prizes up to $10,000, 000, $0 entry. Next week is going to be a dolly wamper at mybookie.ag i hope you guys will join us there because i will be winning a crap ton of money and i'm gonna hope that you guys do it with me again this is for new users and existing users alike i'll be doing it and i've been with them for a number of years now man we could win a lot of money next week oh my goodness 250 dollars risk-free bet that's a big number Yeah, you're going to have to do rollover stuff on that, but holy smokes, you might be able to knock that out in the next set of odds boosts. Wow. Seriously, this is an opportunity for us to win, like, maybe $400, $500 next week if things break our way. Man alive, I love it. I really do. All right, let's finish up the last couple of games from yesterday. Sacramento lost. Lost. And it was generally a bad game all the way around. De'Aaron Fox was uh, decent in this one. That's a good sign. But nobody else really was. Harrison Barnes was uh, was fine, but he's been moving down the board, kind of as we all expected anyway. you knew Barnes wasn't going to be a first-rounder forever. Uh, Harrison now at number 25. Still good. I mean, not complaining about him being number 25 after four weeks, after a month of basketball. Uh, but he's peeling off a little bit and uh, Tyrese Halliburton seems to be playing through a hip thing, but I'm not super worried about it. He's been generally pretty good. Minnesota man, it didn't even look like the whole team was trying for the entire ballgame, and they still beat him up. Patrick Beverly motored. He was the motor for Minnesota, but I still don't trust him from a fantasy standpoint. You're going D'Lo, Cat, and Anthony Edwards. Again, no real fantasy changes from this ballgame. of the guys are trying to uh, ram... Uh, Chimezi Metu down my throat, and I'm not on board with that one yet. And it's not just because games like this are going to pop up. It's just youth, man. Youth. He doesn't have a secure role on that team. He's not going to get any shots, which means he's going to have to do it with defensive stats. He hasn't really shown that he's going to rack those up in a huge way yet. You know, he was getting like 16-4 and four for a couple of ball games. I-, I need to see more. I think maybe folks are getting a little bit ahead of themselves on that one. Our buddy Chris Stops said we'd take a risk on him. He's number 23 now. I know he's only played nine games. That's the risk with Chris Stops. He was always going to be a roto games cap kind of guy, but it's paying off so far. When he's been in there, he's been fantastic. No Luka, so Brunson nearly triple doubles. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to do more. Those guys are very safe with Luka out of course, obviously very safe. Phoenix came back and won this ballgame. Mikael Bridges, slightly better ballgame, three steals and a block. you're not catching his brother anytime soon, but Mikael now just dropping below 80 on the board, so he's starting to work his way up, and that's the only real note on that Sun side, other than Chris Paul finally having kind of a bad shooting game. And then Portland, Chicago. Nobody, I mean, this one, That was a weird line, too, wasn't it? The Blazers were favored by two and a half against a Chicago team that had just waxed both L.A. opponents. They're a little bit gassed, I guess, for this one. Blazers, great at the free throw line, great on the glass. They rebounded really well in this ballgame, did Portland. Uh, Dame still having trouble shooting, but he got seven free throws. That's a good sign, 22 and 10 for Dame. And there were a lot of positives You know, Rob Covington, ten, three and three, five defensive stats, but only 24 minutes for Rob and 25 minutes for Larry Nance, 23 for Yusuf Nurkic, who got himself into foul trouble, ended up playing most of the fourth quarter to get back near his season average in minutes per game. But I do think that the overall feeling is that Larry Nance is finally now on the upswing. The... uh, whatever the hell, Moda Center, is it still the Modus Center, was chanting his name last night. Nance, 16, 9, and 3, three steals a block, two three-pointers. He was brilliant. He has not been particularly good overall on the year. He's still number 199, but this is very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of situation where if, if this is now Billups realizing that he has something in Larry Nance, Nance number 110 in 22 minutes over the last week, that is a very repeatable number for him. And if he gets to 24, he's a must-start basketball player. It's why I was so high on him on draft day. As a guy, you could draft at like 145 with all upside. I hope this is the moment. I think we got to be picking him up right now so we don't miss it. Because I know we all kind of gave up on him. I held longer than most. <laughs> you got to give, give some credit there. Uh, but it seems like they're they're finally figuring out how to deploy Nance, and that is a very good thing for all of us here in uh, fantasy universe. Tonight's slate we will talk about on social media. Let's bounce it on over to Twitter, folks, huh? Bounce it on over to Twitter. Tomorrow's show will wrap up the week. We'll do a little pickups and drops and all that good stuff, and also stay glued to HoopBall because a big piece of news is dropping in the next 24 hours. By the way, thank you to those that have reached out about hosting some of our open podcasts, uh, continuing communications with those that have reached out to host our sports betting show. And of course, if you want to host a team show that isn't covered right now, you can bug me about that as well. We got a few in the works. Really excited to, to unveil a couple of our new team podcasts. We've got a Pistons one, a Magic show a Warriors show that are all about to get off the ground here at Ball. Those are in the works. They'll probably be to you within the next couple of weeks. I would think within the next month at the absolute latest, which I believe once all those are in the mix, then we're somewhere near like 20 out of the 30 teams covered in podcast form. That's really cool. But just quickly here at the end of the show, teams we're still looking for, if you'd like to host a podcast on any of the following, the Hornets, the Cavs, the Nuggets, the Rockets, God help you, (laughs) the Pacers, the Bucks, Thunder, Suns, Blazers, Spurs, Jazz, Wizards? Is that 11? Okay, so I think there's still 11 teams open. I lost track of what I was rattling off there. Uh, Hit me up if you want to host a podcast on one of those 11 teams, if you want to grow a show and and maybe work towards being an actual Working member of the NBA media. This is where you can start. And this is where you might finish, too. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, I will certainly talk to you guys happily about it over there. Apologies to everybody that have sent me questions on Twitter the last two or three days with this big, big, big thing brewing at hoopball. I have not been able to get to questions the way I'd like to and the way I did the first three and a half weeks of the year. But I promise you, I will be back to full bore on social very soon. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Have a wonderful Thursday. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Weekend review coming up on Fantasy NBA Today Friday. Later. This has been a HoopBall presentation.